You're listening to No Nonsense Sales from Salesloft, your weekly dose of sales fun where we interview some of the biggest names in sales and separate sales fact from fiction. And here's your host, Tom Boston. Welcome, salespeople, to the podcast that refuses to put up with the sales myths that we hear on the daily and brings in top sales minds to find out if a sales myth is in fact a fiction or just plain crazy. It's time to talk about the forecast meeting. Nobody wants to talk about the forecast meeting, of course. That sentence in itself, no seller has ever said with joy and delight, I'm going to the forecast meeting. It's usually a sentence filled with dread and anxiety and pain. I'm going to the forecast meeting later, four hours I'll never see again. And if you've never had the pleasure of joining a sales forecast meeting, it's a chance to go around the room and present where you'll land for the quarter. It's a bit like show and tell back in school. You bring in something from home, you show people and you tell them, what it is. I remember one time at school, I thought it'd be a good idea to bring in a musical instrument for show and tell. It was a mini keyboard, Casio keyboard, which I couldn't really play, but I said that I could. And I was encouraged to perform a song in front of the class, which I did. And it was terrible. (laughs) That's a lot like the forecast meetings in sales. You bring in something, you're not really confident about it. You take your opportunity to show your peers what you've got. And then when it doesn't sound great, you sort of apologise and it sounded a lot better before this call. I'm sorry, still get flashbacks and nightmares about bringing in that Casio keyboard for show and tell. And salespeople are still having nightmares about the forecast meeting. So how do we fix this? How do we make sure sales forecast meetings are productive and that salespeople actually have something to show and tell? My guest this week is Marcus Olds. He just so happens to be a colleague of mine. He's the VP of Commercial of EMEA here at Salesloft, and he spent many an hour heading up forecast meetings. He's seen the good, the bad, the numbers plucked from thin air and everything in between. And he's on the show to give some tips on how to make the most of the forecast call. First question for Marcus, when you're in a sales leadership role and you've got so many plates spinning at once, how do you make sure you don't drop any? Inevitably, you're going to, you know, inevitably something's going to drop. Um, you know, much smarter people than me said, uh, the more you move up, the more important it is to get the right team behind you and the team around you. Um, so that's that's definitely one thing. You have to be relatively, um, f- or actually incredibly focused on getting the right team around you. Um, to make sure that those the right decisions are being made, things are being done. Um, and then it's just about building transparency and clarity. Everyone who goes into a sales organization wants to understand exactly what they need to do, how they need to do it, why they need to do it. And if you can drive that level of transparency, then you have to drive energy. And that's kind of the easier part once you, everyone knows what they need to do if you've got the right team in place. And then the, once you get that going everyone knows what they need to do you've got a rhythm of business you have the right people in the room actually a lot of the noise falls away mm. you know in, in what was the noise which took all your time up to where you basically spend your time with your kids but the second thing is just one thing i learned actually at sales loft was to be incredibly brutal with my own time you know, i've got time locked off you know you, you know tom you look at my calendar 
I have my one-on-one with my kids every single day, right? Um, and you know, it sounds it's novel to call it one-on-one, but really what that is for me is just time I guarantee to set myself apart uh, with my kids, knowing they go to nursery still. And I know I've only really got them for three hours between pickup and putting them to bed. That's my time. That's my time with my family. If that means I have to jump back online at seven o'clock and do work in the evening, that's so be it. But I'd much rather do that than miss any time with my family. We've heard a little bit about what your calendar looks like. Um, but what does your inbox look like? I want to I wanna know about this. Are you, are you getting prospected a lot? Are, are sellers actively reaching out to you uh, right now? Uh, chat GPT is. It's doing a really good job of reaching out to me, right? Consistently <laughs> at a really decent clip, right? Um, my inbox is probably the anti the antithesis of the Project Zero um, inbox. Like there's a lot of unread in there. Um, no, I get everything, you know, and it's, yes, I'm getting a lot of prospecting emails, but I'm also getting like internal emails. I'm getting a lot of CCs, a lot of BCCs. I'm getting a lot of newsletters that I subscribe to and I want to subscribe to. I've got my own information running. I've actually got actual correspondent that needs to be handled i've got reports that get sent to me on a daily weekly basis and i think you get to the point where it just becomes noise like i'm kind of searching out the things that i know i need to see mm. and the time i need to see it and the rest of it just kind of goes unfiltered until i finally look at my top left hand quadrant it's got little brackets with some unbelievably high number and i spend an hour kind of just deleting everything you know <laughs> so from a seller's perspective then if they're if we know that you're cherry picking your emails and only looking for the things that are really relevant, what can they do to stand out in that inbox? Because we we know it's not Chat GPT based on what you've just said. Uh, like, what what could they do? I'm sure, maybe, maybe, maybe you know what? Maybe it's not Chat GPT. Maybe it's like an actual really good human who thinks they're an AI or some AI who you know is actually uh, is actually human. I just don't even realize it. But the um, I think the, the one thing is when I think about, you know, prospects that I reach out, that reach out to me, I'm like, you know what, that was good. Mm. You know, and I'm actually with the industry that I've been being at sales loft, I kind of look out for it. Yeah. I kind of want to see the really best in class stuff. And I actually look at the stuff that's really bad and go, oof, that's noise that my team has to get through. Mm. So the one thing I, we, I look at is kind of, do you know the, do you know the dance? Right. Do you know how decisions are made within an organization? Mm. Do you know my, my role within that framework do you know the rhythm of business that i'm running on a weekly quarterly monthly cycle as a sales leader if i know that and then you play into that then you're usually going to get my attention i also enjoy when uh bdrs sdrs don't put me on a pedestal i got one the other day i was like hello mr old so i was like that's weird uh, you know, I, I kind of read, I read it, right? So that's one thing. I did think it was a bit weird. I was like, we got in trouble. Um, but you know, I always think that the BDR and the SDR is not, or an AE, whoever's actually prospecting, they're representing the company mm. and the company behind them. It's not them as a what they believe to be maybe a lower level or an individual contributor speaking to a VP or a CRO. They're a representative of the company behind them and they should be, re- they should be responsive of that. Mm. Um, and I think the third bit, so what I really like is when I see that they've run run around the company mm. before they approach me. Mm-hmm. I really like that because they they it intrinsically know I intrinsically know now that they have one done a lot of the great practice that I wanted already. Great respect is how I want my team to work. But the second is that they've got a stronger point of view and they know that my responsibility is to be like servant leader. Right? I, I'm not going to not take 
advice from somebody who has presented the feedback that my team has given me mm. or giving them that they can use. So these are all things I'm like, okay, you know the dance. You know how this works. Okay, let's have a conversation. Yeah, I think it's like it's personalization, but it's the kind of next level, right? So it's not taking something you might have seen on your profile and then bringing that into the messaging. You know what, Tom, I think we've lost this idea of what personalization actually means. Personalization, before everybody started using software to help them, was around doing right research and being human with somebody. And personalization has seemed to be categorized now as using dynamic fields with the data that's in your CRM to dictate that you know a little bit about that business. That's not personalized at all. It's automated. And automated is the antithesis of, of personalized. And actually, what we really want to be is more personable, more personable and more human than personalized. And I think that personalized is table stakes. I will instantly see an email, which is a newsletter or a subscription. I can see them a mile away, you know, and no matter how good they try and be, I know that wasn't written for me. And if it's not written for me, then why am I going to give you any time? So when we're talking about time, I and I know that, as I've heard you talk about this before, you're not getting a lot of phone calls, right? People aren't taking yeah. up your time like that. Why do you think that that is not happening right now? GDPR. <laughs> my, phone, my phone number's not overly, hopefully they can't find it. No, but all in seriousness, I think people just fear, fear the people. People have always feared the phones. It's easier to sit back and not get rejected face-to-face. -face. Yeah, that rejection piece is, we talked about putting uh, a, a prospect on a pedestal, right? And again, I've been there. I'm thinking about my early sales career where you your self-worth is really, really low. And and I think that's that's something that a lot of sellers struggle with, right? So how you think, how dare, how how could I possibly dare even call somebody who I've put, you know, so, so way up here, but actually reflecting on what you, what you said, the representing, you're representing a company and, and, and actually it's a, it's a one-on-one -on -one human conversation, which I think we are sadly in this modern world missing, you know, I'd say so. I agree. <laughs> so let me see if you agree with this one then, because this is the topic of this week's podcast, which is the fact that nobody likes the forecast meeting. So we need to try to figure out if that's true or false. I know you've got some strong opinions on this, but um, let me, you know, before we decide if it's fact or fiction, let me ask you this. Um, why does the forecast meeting have that kind of taboo associated to it, especially from a seller's perspective? Oh, you know, because because it, it's, it's that moment in time where you have to put yourself on the line and commit to something. Commit to something in a world where there is movement and that there is you know a shifting paradigm underneath you. And it makes people feel very uncomfortable, very anxious about having to hold something solid where you're not confident. And that leads to anxiety. I, I know reps will come into a forecasting call and they will present, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And they're confident. And I don't think they hate it as much as those that are coming in thinking they're not confident. Because the, the ones who are not confident are, are terrified, right? In case um, deals oh. slip or they don't hit that number. Um, but what about from the uh, kind of leader's perspective then as well? I mean, do they also fear the forecast meeting is it mutual i think so i think i think it's 
leaders don't want to have to necessarily call out their team on things that they're not doing. And I think that, I don't think they hate it as much as a rep does, but everyone's accountable to somebody, Tom. Mm. I, I'm accountable to my boss and my boss is accountable to his boss and everyone's accountable to inevitably somebody. And I think that that filters up. So we all feel a level of anxiety around these forecasts, these forecast calls, because everybody has to, has to ultimately be held accountable to somebody. And, and that always creates a level of anxiety because everybody wants to be successful intrinsically, I believe. Well, hopefully if you're on, you're on the right team with the right mission and the right goal, you're all, you know, on the path to success. And I know that at Salesloft, mm-hmm. we talk a lot about true pipeline visibility. What does that yeah. kind of phrase mean to you? And you want to talk me through that? Yeah, I think that we go back to that, you know, that fear of control we talked about. It, it's not necessarily um, because they've got it wrong or they, you know, they aren't qualified. So they're not able to tell the right story. A lot of people fall into these. I'm not going to answer. I'm going to answer your question around about way. Sorry, Tom. But like a lot of people, a lot of people go into forecast calls believing it's the time to talk through the data. Mm-hmm. The forecast call isn't about talking through the data. The forecast is about giving clarity and the story behind it. And so when so when we start thinking about pipeline visibility, it's about can I see the story you're telling me in the data and does it support it? Mm-hmm. And so we need to have that, that overview of what are the key metrics, what are the underlying metrics, how is that trended, and then you can start to tell the story. As soon as you start to tell the story, I think that actually you remove a lot of the anxiety around your forecast because it's good for a reason, it's bad for a reason, and you know exactly how you're going to get there. Like, where are we? Where are we going to be? How are we going to get there? And does the does the data support that? And that's true pipeline visibility. It's when you walk into a forecast and nothing's there. That's when it's a complete mess. <laughs> So when we say nothing's there, that might be someone making up a number, which we know happens, right? That might be someone filling in a lot of the blanks on their own, which we we know happens. Now, of course, without turning this into a sales loft uh, advert, we can certainly help with filling in a lot of those blanks. But I think reps are happier, right, if they're more confident in their forecast. Surely that anxiety is is drained away when they can, as you said, proudly tell a story of how they're going to get to their number. Yeah. I also think it's the managers making sure they, the, the rep knows how they're going to use that information, why they're going to use that information. This, this idea of a, there's an adversary between you and your manager about a forecast is, is ludicrous. You know, you have to be thinking about how we all going to get there. And so, yeah, you're right. Um, it is about, being able to tell a story in data, but being able to look through that and inspect it and inspect it at pace because no one also wants to sit around doing a forecast call for four hours. You know, we can do an entire team's forecast in about an hour and we can go deep into the business because we know that the information is there and we've tracked it. Um, And as a result, it's not, we hopefully it's not as anxiety risen as some other companies I worked at. (laughs) love that and then that three hours that you gain back there's an opportunity to actually get on with selling or maybe even have a bit of one-on-one time with the kids right because again let's take that full circle that's what it's that's what it's all about so we need to um, we need to try to figure out then let's let's think fact or fiction on this everybody hates the forecast meeting 
Is that a fact or a fiction? Not everybody hates the forecast call. Most people hate the forecast call. So we're going to say it's got to be fiction, right? Got that. Just because I'm being pedantic with this statement. <laughs> Hey, if you can't be pedantic on a B2B sales podcast, where where can you be? That's that's what I say. When can when can you be? So we're gonna end the show with a song, of course. It's the pump up song that you might put on to get yourself motivated. What song have you decided to bring in? And if you could tell me why you've you've chosen it. Oh look, we, we're talking forecast today, so uh decided blank space by Taylor Swift. Perfect. Filling in the blanks. Selfish. Screaming, crying, perfect storms. I can make all the tables turn. Rose garden filled with thorns. Keep your second guessing like, oh my God, who is she? I get drunk on jealousy, but you'll come back. It's time you leave. Because darling, I'm a nightmare dressed like a daydream. A nightmare dressed like a daydream. Quite a good analogy for... The forecast meeting. So many levels, that song. That was T-Swift on No Nonsense Sales. Apologies. If you'd like to hear that track sang well, head over to Spotify right now. We've just added it to the No Nonsense Sales playlist. And of course, if you'd like to join us next week, why not hit subscribe on Spotify or on your podcast player of choice. And we will see you next week. Bye.